On this 25th of January 2015, uh, we're continuing on with our 940 day period review. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, but we want to, uh, in our time, by the way, that was a good business meeting today. I wish all went that smoothly. <laughs> and of course, you do know that when you raised your right hand and voted and passed that uh, new bylaws, that it included all of your bank numbers. <laughs> you, you knew that, didn't you? Or did you, had you paid attention to what was, you know, I'm doing anything I can here. <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> oh, it's in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> but there are just some things that we don't want to slide over. And, you know, repetition is the secret to learning. And we don't hear anything. But under the old Jewish uh, system of reading, they would read... And they were more, uh, they, they were trained better listeners in those days because they could remember what they heard. Things sure get quiet. But we've lost that ability because we, we have not enhanced that. We have that capability, but we have not enhanced it. And, uh, and, and then again, some folks are sight learners. They learn by what they see, uh, some by hand, you know, hand um, touch, learn by how, you know, what they can do with their hands. And, uh, <clears throat> but we've, we have not exercised our capability and expanded that capability to remembering what we hear. And some of that is focal, focus, isn't it? The ability to focus and really be absorb, uh, really absorbing uh, what we are listening to. So I realize that um, <clears throat> if you were to ask me to give you all the names of the 12 tribes, I probably couldn't do it. <clears throat> but anyway, last week we read these two chapters. And today I just want to reinstate some ideas from those two chapters and reinforce them. Uh, we had comments on them last week as we went along. Uh, today, I think we will add some comments without going to the text very often. But in chapter 13, uh, verses uh, 1 and 2, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... <clears throat> so we have who speaking? Does that matter? Yes. And he's speaking to whom? Oh, you folks are really quick. Yes. Now he, so the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> now the Lord speaks unilaterally to those people who are a process of producing the revelation of God. Remember, that's one of the ways that keep in mind how God doesn't speak unilaterally to everybody, but he speaks to those who become an agent for the distribution of his truth to other folks. So send out for yourselves men so they may spy out the land of Canaan. So the first 40-day period was what? The flood. The second 40-day period was? First giving of the law. The third? Second giving of the law. And the fourth of the 90 uh, 40 day periods was 
the spies going into the land. Now notice carefully. I want you to spot, you prepare these men, you send out for yourselves, you organize these men, you select them, here's how to do that, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. <clears throat> so not just everybody was selected, but those who met the qualifications. They were to spy out the land which the Lord said, I am going to give to the sons of Israel. <clears throat> God sets a plan in order with a goal. Now, when I'm picking on Merwin a little bit here, but when he buys one of those basket cases cars, does he have an objective in mind? Does he have a goal in mind? Hmm? What about that 38? When you bought that, it was a basket case, right? Yeah. What was your objective? What was your, what was your goal? Drive to drive it. Pretty hard to drive it when it's in a basket. Now, he might be able to do that. But he took this car as a basket case, took it all apart, put it all back together again. And then he remembered he didn't clean it before he put it back together and had to take it all apart again. Now that's not true. But you see, you had to have a plan. You, have, you, had, a, you had an objective. So God sets a plan in order with a goal. <clears throat> One of the reasons we have problems in our families in this country today is the children starting young, and by the time they're three, after that is too late, are not, do not have emphasized upon their mind objectives and goals. That's the parent's responsibility, is to establish the child's mind toward goals and objectives. And then to reach those, there has to be homework. And that's what God does to Moses. He said, Moses, you've got some homework. You have to do your homework. But the homework was to lead toward what? A goal. So God had an idea. And he's wanting here, who's going to be a part of this idea that I have? This idea is for the benefit of the sons of Israel. So God had the provision in mind, and the provision was a gift. But in order for the people to, in, to, to receive the gift, they must engage some energy and obedience to earn the gift. Now, what do you think I said all of that for? 
Because don't people today, up and down the street, the churches believe that salvation is a gift, and if it's a gift, therefore there's nothing you can do for it. Right? Is that what's thought? Salvation is a gift, and all you have to do is what? All you have to do is accept it. So, see, that's why I said what I just said. When God said, I'm going to give you a gift, He didn't. But He did. But what did the people have to do? First of all, He has a plan. That's, that's the reason for the plan, is He wants to give them the gift. That's going to, He has that in mind for them. But, folks... They have to expand some energy. They have to take some risk. And they have to obey in order to earn the recipient of that gift and to, to be the recipients of that gift. Think about that. That's how God uses that word gift. It is something that God has made the provision for, but you're not going to get it until you meet the terms of what he has set in order for you to acquire it. And when you think about salvation, you better think about it that way too. Because salvation is a gift. But that means that it is only God has, that God has provided it. Only God could provide it. But folks, it's out there. But you have to take the action and expend the energy and be obedient to the terms in order for you to acquire that gift and become a participant of it. We need to think about that. So he tells the people many decisions were to be made. <clears throat> so God allows them for uh, to have, God always allows for lots of choices and those choices were not always going to be uh, easy. But God expects the people to be committed to the plan and the purpose. You see, that's how God did it. God expects the people now, Moses and those whom he delegates to a task, to be committed to the plan. And then we will work through the obstacles. That's how God does it. Can we get our brains around that? Well, there are some of the folks that were not enthused about tackling this, uh, this opportunity. Not everybody wants a gift because to receive a gift from God means that there are certain very lofty things that you're going to have to do to be the recipient of that gift. What was that? An unearned gift is of lesser value. Okay. Uh, 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 an unearned gift is of lesser value. Is that what you said? Yes. I like that. You got a gold star. You, now you got two. <laughs> That's good. All right. <clears throat> Did you hear that? Yes. Y'all hear? That's so true. Now what? What was suggested to me, and I realized that. Uh, uh, you know, we're probably not going to get all through all this, but one of the things that was brought up to me last Sunday is that 
what caused these people to shirk away from their responsibility were certain obstacles, and the obstacles in some cases were self-imposed. Now think about that. <clears throat> we read the text, so we don't need to go back there. I mean, you folks are all bright. You all know, or you can go home and read it again. But, you know, when these people came back, they came back with a message about the people who were in the land. And they said, those people are big dudes. And when we're with them, we feel like we are grasshoppers. How many of you ever seen a little grasshopper? You probably have some pets, you know. They get around your house, roaches, you know, they kind of. But a grasshopper, <clears throat> easy to smash, but that's how they saw themselves. And, and so they were not enthused about tracking this, uh, about tackling this opportunity. So that was one of the obstacles. So there was a cause of fear. And this cause of fear was how they saw themselves. And they saw themselves in comparison to the other folks there in the land that they were to spy out. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. That's how they looked at themselves. The goal had not come to mean as much to them as it should have because the obstacle became bigger and greater to them than the glory of the victory of the goal. See that? These were self-imposed limitations so they could really have more time to play in the wilderness and just rot away. And that's kind of how they looked at it. Now I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament for you scholars. <clears throat> and I'm just going to try to cover two things and then we'll close. One, in First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians, did I say Second Corinthians? Second yeah. Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, where we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. Notice his, notice now what he says. Carefully, when they measure themselves by themselves, when you become the standard by which you measure your optical or your opponent, when you measure yourselves by yourselves and compare yourselves with yourself, compare themselves with themselves, you are what? Without understanding so these people these spies went down into the land of Canaan and they saw these big big dudes down there and now they begin to make a you know well they're bigger than we are Paul makes it real clear is we we don't go through life comparing ourselves with other people 
We are who we are. We have the capabilities that we have. We are to enhance our capability and our responsibility. And we don't have to fit or match anybody else's capabilities. It doesn't work that way. You are who you are. And that's all you need to be. And you can overcome any obstacle in your pursuit of your honorable goal in life once you realize that you only have to be you. And you at your best. And work toward the embetterment of you. But it doesn't make any difference how much talent somebody else has, how much money somebody else has. We don't compare ourselves with other people. We simply do what we can to enhance ourselves to be the best that we can do and be and to do the best that we can do with what we are. How can you beat that? Folks, that's all we have responsibilities to do. And that puts one at ease and allows you then to form goals and objectives in life that are in keeping with who and what you are. And that you will have the strength to encounter and to be victorious over any of the obstacles that may come your way. So just the second thing I want to bring up, and then, then we'll close, is that <clears throat> this is really the source and basis of humility. So some of you, this is old hat. <clears throat> but who, uh, humility has two sides. Anybody have, I don't have a coin. I'm penniless. I hope you remember that when it's time for offering. Um, <laughs> what? You have no sense? I have no sense at all. <laughs> and what I did have, I lost <laughs> by the giants. But, you know, we, 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 so many times we think of humility as kind of putting yourself down and making yourself feel like you're a grasshopper in the midst of giants. But humility is a two sided coin one side is to in order in other words to achieve an idea and the state of humility means on one side you do not seek to control others now oh. Aren't a lot of our politics today involved in one group trying to get control of another group? All of them. <laughs> I was being a little more generous there, Dan, <laughs> but thanks for the clarification. So on one side, humility says that I do not seek to control other people. The other side of that coin is Neither do I allow other people to control me. A lot of people find their humility, falsely so, by making themselves vulnerable to everybody else. 
to be walked on, to be abused, to be cussed. That's not humility. These guys were not being humble because they saw themselves as grasshoppers to be stepped on and smashed. Humility is the balance between understanding that you are not to seek to be manipulative nor in control of other people. And secondly, that we do not allow ourselves or be in the need of being controlled or manipulated by other people. You put those together and you have what the Bible uses as the word humility. You see that? And there's individual freedom. And what we have as the church to project to the world is truth. But you can't control what people are going to do with it. But you have to be true to what's right. But we can't manipulate. Because God doesn't manipulate. He presents us with the Bible and we have to come to it. We have to make a decision what we are going to do with it. Because God, God does not, God does not, God does not manipulate nor coerce in any way anybody. Somebody said, did you look at the clock? I did. And therefore I'm done. You need a goal. You need to have an objective in life. Great lesson to learn here. That's how God does it. God could have given them everything they asked for. He could have given that land to them without anything at all. But you remember God always works through human agency. Got to remember that. But the people when they saw the obstacles... Even though they wanted the land because it was flowing with milk and honey, fruit, vegetables, cantaloupe, grapes, grapes and jalapenos. They had to have jalapenos there, or I wouldn't have liked it. But they saw themselves, their hindrance was how they saw themselves, and they compared themselves to the people who were there. And that, over, that, that overpowered their view of the glories of the, gold, uh, of the goal. And that's because they made the fatal mistake of comparing themselves with somebody else rather than trusting in the strength of the Lord to do the right thing in the right way and to do what his objectives were to do. And the practice then of experiencing and of incorporating into our life the true meaning of what it is to be humble. Humble is not to be downtrodden, not to be cast down, it's not to be inferior in any way. It means simply, as we have stated, you don't seek control of other people, nor do you allow them to have control over you or to manipulate you. That's what gives people individual freedom and let us pursue our course honorably. And we need to have a course to be on. But that's how. As the how-to church. That's what we think about. 
How do we do this? How do we practice our Christian life? How do we think of ourselves? What is our goal? What are our opportunities? And we think in those terms. And so we become the achievers of the universe right here in Coolidge, Arizona. All right, let's, let's sing our closing song. 